want to go to their own worship tonight. Uh, Miss Jan, back there, raise your hand. And Megan, raise your hand. Uh, they will take you back to your experience tonight. Um, one thing that we do around New Life is the kids rejoin us during our music portion, and uh, we kind of all celebrate uh, and worship together as families. So um, we'll do that now. I'm going to open us up with prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here today. Thank you for all those that have uh, traveled some, have traveled distances um, for um, uh, something that went on today called Lay Academy, uh, that they can learn more about you through uh, discipleship, through small group, uh, leading small groups, through preaching, um, and um, other things, and also learning more about the heritage of being a Methodist. Uh, in your church. Uh, be with our time tonight as we reflect and we celebrate and we thank you for uh, the two years of ministry that you've given us, everything that you've shown us, um, everything, um, and pray for um, um, inspiration and, uh, you know, vision for what uh, lies ahead of us. Um, give us the strength, give us the uh, people, give us the fortitude, give us the um, motivation to do it, to do your work. In your holy name, amen. 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 Like I said, my name is Jeff, and um, this whole service kind of has been uh, an evolving service. Originally, I think uh, Tom was going to do a message um, during this week, and and we kind of talked about Leia Academy, and I kind of briefly talked about that. In the United Methodist Church, we have, uh, um, it's kind of a leadership development uh, um, part of um, our, our, our denomination, and it's called Leia Academy. And at Leia Academy, uh, what we do is we develop lay um, servants. And what a lay servant does is they basically take a, a little, another step in leadership in the church, whether it's leading small groups or maybe filling in for a pastor like I am, um, or um, learning a little bit more about how to become a d better disciple. Uh, maybe discovering your spiritual gifts is something uh, that the, the Lay Academy does. Uh, if you're interested in it, uh, we actually do have our lay director here, Leslie Stafford. Uh, she's the Rockford District um, um, Chair of the Lay Academy, or um, the Lay Servant, Lay Servant Ministries. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you can talk to her. They offer it twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall, and this is the fall. And uh, we had it here today, so I think everything went all right. We didn't break anything. Um, and maybe Mark's, maybe Mark's microphone, but that, that was totally my fault. Um, but when we talked about that, we knew that was going to be here. Uh, something that we do every second Saturday is we have something called Taste of New Life. And what Taste of New Life has been for us, it's been an opportunity to get to know people that are here um, more in fellowship with each other, um, get, to, get to know a little bit about their kids, get to know a little bit about where they work, a little bit about where they live, um, and then also a time of sharing, too. You know, maybe I'm struggling with this, I, you know, something like this. But it's been an opportunity where we've been able 
to kind of tell our story um, with people and make make some very significant um, um, uh, connections. Um, now, the other, what do we do the other three Saturday nights? Um, it it kind of evolved out of that. Um, we we just started saying, hey, let's go to Sophia's. Sophia's is a restaurant in Roscoe. Um, and we started getting about 30 to 40 people show up on a Saturday night at 7.30, 8 o'clock, having breakfast or having, you know, uh, a meal at Sophia's. We've been to Lino's. We've been to several different restaurants. We still do that three times a, um, a, uh, a month. And I tell you what, it's, I look forward to it every week um, because I'm with, you know, I feel that I'm with my friends. I feel, you know, it, it's people that I want to share my life with um, during that time. Um, that's just a personal testimony that I have about it. Um, along with planning tonight, um, um, Mark, Mark kind of came up to me a couple weeks ago and says, I've got a wedding, and it's out of town. Should we change the night? And I said, well, we could. Nah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let God kind of guide our time here tonight. You know, I, I'm, I'm not an ordained preacher. You know, Tom's not and everything. But let's just pray about it and see what happens. See if God can, you know, use us tonight uh, to bring here, him among us uh, and be blessed by his presence here tonight. Um, Mark definitely wanted to say a few things uh, in your uh, life notes, which I hope you grabbed one tonight. Uh, Mark did write a letter on a little bit of the story of what new life has meant to him and Jennifer and Selena and Alex, uh, their two foster children. Uh, we also sat down and uh, Mark says, I want to do a video. We're in a series right now called Not a Fan and we've done some video testimony of um, what it means to be either a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. And we've had, you know, a couple different ones. And Mark, uh, Mark kind of wanted to do one. So during our time of offering um, tonight, um, we're going to share that video with you of Mark. It's about four minutes. But listen closely because it talks about kind of a change in his heart about what we're doing here at New Life and what... Um, and kind of a, a, a glimpse into the future of what we're doing. So I'm going to start the video, and our ushers will come down and um, uh, collect our tithes and offerings. I've been a fan of church my whole life. I grew up in a church family, and I was part of some really good churches. So it was easy to become a fan of church. All the events, all of the potlucks, all of the activities we did left a really good impression about what church was. So even when I went away from my hometown, uh, I wanted to be part of church. And when I found my call to ministry and answered that call, I assumed that I would be part of churches like I was always part of. Not too big, not too small, comfortably sized, somewhat traditional, 
the kind of churches that have been using the same hymnal since I was a small child. And that was the kind of church that I expected to become part of. And I was a fan of that church. Several years ago, though, Jennifer and I started worshiping at other churches. Now, I had been to dozens, maybe hundreds of United Methodist churches, all fairly similar. But we started to go to some different types of churches, some of the largest churches in the nation, churches that are part of what we would call the church growth movement. And those mega churches were pretty exciting. There were thousands of people. There was great music. There was inspiring teaching. There was, of course, lots of programs, all kinds of things. Some of those churches like Willow Creek are like walking into an airport or a shopping mall. I mean, they're just massive structures. And so it's easy to become a fan of that kind of church. And so when I was approached with coming here to Roscoe and McChesney Park and then went through a program to learn about how to kind of redevelop and restart and eventually start new churches, I went to even more of those and I kind of became a fan of the idea of that large church, those uh, high production quality, those uh, cutting edge creative kind of churches. And we did become fans of those. And as we started New Life a few years ago, that was kind of what was on my heart, not necessarily because that's what I wanted, but that seemed to be kind of where we were going. And so we got caught up in the idea that we could be a fan of this big kind of church and that because we were going to be uh, so good and so innovative and so fresh and contemporary that we would attract a lot more fans. Well, some things happened in the last few years, and, and some of those things started with the megachurches themselves. People I respected, like Bill Hybels and Andy Stanley and uh, other Francis Chan, other megachurch leaders, came out and said, we've been really good at making fans, but we've not been so good at making followers. We saw Francis Chan in a study we do say that when they were building their new building, well, they never thought about, should they do it? And he's walked away from that megachurch completely. And so we started to think and started to pray and started to really reconsider what should we do. Should we be fans and should we try to get as many fans as possible? Or should we be followers? And after a, a long time and after living life here at New Life, I think we've decided that we can have all the fans in the world, but it's a lot better to have a few followers. And with a few followers, 50, 60, 70 followers, all devoted, all working together, one, like Christ is one with God, change can happen. And even though we're not a, a big church, a mega church, I think this small band of followers does more than churches three, four, five times our size. And I think this small group of followers can do a lot more than that. And so although I'm still a fan of church, and, and I'm still a fan of those mega churches, I'm really a fan of being a follower. I'm really a fan of being part of a community of followers. Thank you, Mark. Um, one thing that we did three years ago, or two and a half years ago before we launched this, is we, a group of us, there was about 10 or 12 of us, sat down, we started talking, we had several conversations about what it would be like. 
And uh, through a lot of prayer and discernment and everything, Mark actually came up with our plan. It's a three-year plan. Uh, it's available on our website. And we've held pretty true to that plan. And, you know, when something, I think, is inspired by God and you hold true to it, you're blessed by it. Um, our first year uh, was our finding year. You know, there's going to be a lot of Fs in this, so we tried to use all clean words. But our first year was finding. Okay, basically we had to find a, a group of people. And we called it the Finders Five. And can anybody remember what the Finders Five were? Family. You know, how many people have people in their family that have either walked away from the church or have have struggles going on that, you know, you just wish they were in church? Uh, friends was the other one. Um, one was the best definition was the definition that Mark got is when you go out to Cherryvale Mall and you just stand around and people watch, it's the faces in the crowd. You know, the people that are just, you know, that just walk you know, walk past you, you know, what, what's their life like? You know, how much better would their life be with Jesus Christ? Um, the forgotten, oftentimes there's a segment of our community and we forget about them. The, you know, the prisoner, sometimes it's the poor, sometimes it's, you know, people in, you know, foreign countries or something that are, are starving. Those are the people that we forget about several times. And the forsaken, um, is the last one. Um, that was year one. We found people. We found some people. Our second year was our forming year. Uh, we're not called to build mega churches. You know, he talked a little bit about Francis Chan, about uh, who used to have a, a, a church called Cornerstone Community Church in Simi Valley, California. Grew the church to about 3,000. They were at a point where they had to build another sanctuary just to hold all the people coming in. And he talks about that in uh, a series that we did. They never asked themselves, should we do that? Should we do that? Several churches around the country were realizing at that time, Willow Creek, one in Barrington, are we really building disciples? Or are we just packing a gym? Or are we just packing a church, you know, with people? Are we making people's lives better? Can we, you know, a person that comes in this week, are they walking out a better, a better person next week? And, you know, a lot of church leaders got together and says, we can't answer that question. Okay, we've done a lot of things. So this year was on forming, because that's what we're called to do is build disciples. You know, God builds the church. It's his. It's his anyways. If we're faithful to build disciples, the church will grow. I'm per perfectly convinced of that because God's going to say that we're honoring him by doing what he told us to do. You know, so I think that that is what attracts people. You know, we can have the coolest videos and the coolest music and everything else. Does that bring more people? I don't know. I don't think so, you know. You know, we might be small, but I always, I, what, what I've really grown to know these past two years is God doesn't think we need to be bigger right now. 
So we have to work on making disciples because that's what, when people come, that's what's going to actually make more disciples. If we had 300 people here, would we know what to do with them? Sure, we could set up chairs. We have 400 chairs that we could set up. But could we actually minister? Could we actually go have a meal after church on Sunday, Saturday night with 400 people? It would be chaos. <laughs> Trust me. There's no place in Rockford that could handle four, you know, even banquet halls. I don't think there's a banquet hall big enough. But that, to me, that's being faithful to God, building disciples and stuff. I'm glad we're doing it that way than doing all the cool stuff and packing this gym out and everything else because I don't think we'd be honoring God. We would be building our own church. And remember I told you it's God's church. It's not ours. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to say and what new life really meant to me in, um, in these first two years. Um... um Without going any further, I know Tom, I'm going to call Tom up here in a second, and uh, he's got a story, too, about what new life's meant to him. Um, Tom and Annette um, lived uh, in Missouri, um, uh, Lee Summit, Missouri. Um, and Tom has been part of a new church start, actually a few new church, church starts, um, and he was kind of called to be here. I think he was kind of one of those people that God says, go there. You know, I'm blessed to know him. I'm blessed to call him a friend. Um, and he's, you know, I'm going to call him up here now. Um, um, he's got something that he wants to share with us. And then what he's going to do is he's going to call the band up, uh, basically close in prayer. And then we're going to start our time of um, praise and worship, where more testimonies from uh, the people in the band and stuff uh, in between songs, because that's part of it too, is we don't sing songs out of a hymnal. Um, and it may not be your favorite hymn that's sung tonight. But the thing is, I, I know the songs that we sang, the words are powerful. So if anything, we did a series on, called Why We Sing, um, last year, and the thing that I got out of that, I preached it, but the thing that I got out of that is sometimes it's not your favorite song, but if you could just read the words up on this, um, the wall up here and just kind of meditate on those. You know, God placed those words on somebody's heart. A lot of them come from Scripture, um, believe it or not. So um, our time, to, you know, our time tonight, you know, it may not be the church organ, it may not be the choir, but we are the choir. So um, that's what I kind of challenge everybody tonight. So, Tom, are you ready? Oh, I think so. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm done. Am I on, Andrew? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, whoops. You're on. Yes, boy, howdy. Um, you know, I thought about this. Mark talked to me the week before Labor Day, and he kind of sketched out, this is what I'm thinking that we want to do that night. 
Well, it's a moving target. It has changed. It's evolved. It's become a whole different thing. And I'm going to ask you to kind of be a little patient, but I'm going to string together three different little stories. And this is kind of, it's going to tell you where I was at, what happened, and where I'm at now. Um, you know, we need to start back, and this is in the early part of my adulthood. So, you know, I went to college, and what do you do in college? Well, yeah, you do go to class, that is kind of an expectation. But we elevated it to a whole new art, and we drank beer. Boy, howdy. Well, I came out, and I went to work for the fire service. Well, I got news for you, that just isn't outside their realm. They like to drink beer, too. Well, the years went by, and what happens is, somewhere in there, and you don't know when it is, but it starts to run the show. Um, that's where I was at. Uh, we got up here, and we'd only been up here a short length of time, and that was nine years ago, and I knew we were at the end of the road. Um, I was a rarity. Most of the time, for someone to get into any level of treatment, uh, you're pretty much forced. Your family puts a gun to your head, or your employer said, you know, you're out of here. For me, it was different. I woke up on a Thursday morning, and I said, I just want it to be different. And I called Rosecrans. It was a two-and-a-half-hour phone call. It took four different people and two insurance companies. And I finally got a woman, and her name was Sonia, and she said, come on in tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. She goes, will you really, truly come? I said, yeah, I've got nowhere else to go. This is Friday afternoon. I don't remember anything until Monday at noon, and that's all fuzzy still. But in the span of 25 days, I walk out the door, and for the first time in my adult life, probably, I haven't drank anything. This is incredible. Um, you, you just start seeing the world in a different light, and Sometimes people have the conception that when you quit drinking, automatically everything is just great. You know, happy days are here again. Now, some days are diamonds, some days are coal. You have bad days like everybody else, and you're probably less well-equipped to deal with them. I had not been to church at Christ probably in weeks, if not months, and in the, in the most extraordinary display of grace ever for any minister I ever met, I walked in the door and, oh, I hadn't gotten very far at all. And Cindy Marino, she is the pastor at Rochelle now, and she was an associate at Christ. And she walked up and she grabbed hold of my hands and she said, wow, this is really good to see you. And I was going to start to explain why I hadn't been there. And she went, she goes, it doesn't matter. I mean, 
I still have trouble comprehending. I didn't have to justify it. I didn't have to do anything. Well, time ticks on a little farther, and one Sunday I asked Jane Easley, I said, listen, I said, this is all well and good, but something isn't there. Something is missing. And she goes, come to my office. She goes, Tuesday afternoon, as soon as you get off work, come over. And we were going to talk for 15 or 20 minutes. An hour and 55 minutes later, we are still talking. And I thought I could talk. Well, Jane blew around me and just waved on the way. And um, she said, here's what I want for you to think about doing. She said, I printed this off for you. And you're going to have trouble seeing it, but it is the flyer for the Lay Academy, and this one's for this weekend. But she printed the one for two years ago, which was at Grace, and she said, just mail, mail them a check and go. She said, I'm just asking you. That's all I want you to do. Well, I thought, I'll just slide in. I'll go around the wall. I didn't make it halfway, and Leslie is in my face. What's your name? And I walked in the room, and I, I couldn't know then what I know now. But the first person I meet, he puts his hand out, and he said, I'm Mark Myers. He goes, um, I'm teaching the class today. He said, man, I'm really glad you came. And when you start to pick up on it, he said, I'm starting a new church. And I thought, I've either got to run now or i got to stay. <laughs> And time went on through the day, and we talked. And when he found out, he said, oh, my God. He goes, do you know Adam? Everybody has asked me that. Yes, I've met Adam. I know him. And the first break that we had, and this is like about 10 in the morning, and I sat down on a bench, and I'm still kind of looking over my shoulder. And this guy sits down next to me. And oh my God, this guy is the size of a garden shed. I mean, he's huge. His arms look like my legs. He's got tattoos everywhere. And I thought, my God, the Lay Academy has a bouncer. <laughs> and sit down. He put his hand out and he goes, Hey, brother, I'm Bubba, Bubba Caston. And that started. It started a friendship. We both lived on the same side of the street. Um, you know, Bubba left way too soon. But that afternoon, Mark said at 4:45, you know where the the Hilltop Ministry Center is. Said, so Yanni goes, need to be there at 5.15. And that was the second Saturday, second Saturday ever. And we came, and we came, and we kept coming. And as the joke goes, we forgot to quit coming. Um, 
So how does all this, where does all this tie in? I know you're thinking. To, to new life and hilltop. Well, it used to be, I mean, and when you do what I did for as long as you, you do it, you do some neurological damage. There's just no way. And depression was always something that just kind of shadowed me, and I didn't help it. And what I noticed after several Saturdays was when I'd leave here, I felt good. Oh, man, I liked it. I mean, I went home, and I was in a good mood. And then we developed this deal where we started going out to eat. And that was even better. Um, you know, I have not missed a meal. And um, we would go, and, you know, I met, from knowing no one on one Saturday, I think I know everybody in the building now. Um, There's a story, it's about an older man, and he starts, he's on the beach, and he's walking, and the tide's gone out, and there's hundreds, I mean thousands of starfish. And before the tide comes in, they're going to die. And he reaches down, and he picks one up, and he throws it out in the water. And he goes a little farther, and he picks another one up, and he throws it out into the water. And... A young man is walking on the beach, and he stops, and he turns around, he goes back the other way, and he watches for a while. And he walks up, and he says, you know, sir, you're not really going to make a difference. And the old man said, oh, you know, that may be so. Throws another one out, and he said, I know this. He goes, I made a difference in the life of that one. So what I want you, if you don't take anything else away today, this is what I want you to remember. You can forget the rest of it. All of you in this room, and I mean all of you, have made a difference in the life of this one. We're going to transition, and Jamie's going to rock and roll us, I guess. <laughs> with the 15 songs that she's got on for tonight. So. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> um, before worship tonight, uh, the band and, and, and myself, we were upstairs and just reminiscing about the past two years. And um, when we started two years ago... I never had a, held a worship leader's job. It was my first one. And I was scared to death, considering, as Todd reminded me tonight, that, you know, a month in before service he was even going to start, all I had was a drummer and some singers. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, David says that's all we need. And, um, <laughs> And the thing is, is that uh, I think I think the theme tonight um, is how God has worked for this church, for this ministry, for each of us. So yes, we do have an extended set tonight, um, only because we love to sing and 
sing to him. And that's what all these songs represent tonight is, is glorifying God. And that's why we're up here. So if you want to stand, if you are able, if you want to sit, that's fine too. But I would like for you to stand and sing with us tonight. Our first song tonight, we sang, I don't know how many weeks in a row when we first started. <laughs> and so uh, I thought, you know, what a perfect time to bring it back. All right. Take it away. Thank you. 